Six minutes it is now after 8 p.m. We go into our shop steward's corner and I'm joined on the line by Ronald Vesso. He's a researcher at the Casual Workers Advice Office. Ronald, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Ronald? Hi, good evening, Ayabonga. I, I, we lost connection there. For no, a no, no, no problem, my brother. How are you? I'm well, and you? I, I could be better, Ronald. Could be better. And uh, uh, Ronald, I just maybe for, for some of the people who might not be familiar with the work that you do, I did indicate when we started that uh, uh, we work quite closely with the Casual Workers Advice Office on many of the conversations uh, that uh, uh, speak to uh, workers who find themselves in precarious spaces in uh, their places of employ. But uh, for some of those who might not have caught some of those conversations and who are not familiar with your organization, what does the Casual Workers Advice Office do? Yes, Ayabonga, the main part of our work concerns labor broker workers. Um, We have a broad focus on workers' rights. We don't turn any workers away. Uh, We also have a specific focus on what is called precarious workers, workers uh, who are not permanent, who are either casual, uh, work for outsourced companies, for labor brokers, and and or part-time. Uh, but out of that group, uh, our work is mainly taken up uh, supporting the struggles of labor broker workers, whose main demand has always been to be employed as permanent workers of the client companies where they actually work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so within that, uh, we follow a strategy that uh, focuses on organizing. Uh, because we believe that the main uh, method for securing workers' rights and winning new rights is actually when workers themselves are strong and don't depend only on support organizations like ourselves. Mm. But we do provide any kind of support that we can. Sure, sure. Ronald, what happened on Monday last week? I mean, I saw all manner of images uh, in the wake of what happened uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, and uh, maybe just, you know, for some of the people who weren't aware of what had happened, what exactly happened and how did that interface with uh, what was happening in the inner city and some of those violent protests and looting? Oh, it was terrible on Monday in Jamison. We are in the city centre, close to the station there, and from the morning before 8, uh, there were groups of men going around targeting people that they perceived as being uh, foreign, uh, hitting them with shamboks and so on. And uh, the whole city center of Germiston was closed down uh, very shortly. We tried to stay open because of the role that we play uh, for workers. Uh, But by about one o'clock, our office was virtually surrounded by a very large group of very hostile uh, men who were uh, singing uh, xenophobic songs and uh, uttering all sorts of threats. And we were about uh, 10 people in the office, mm. uh, and we, it, we definitely uh, didn't feel safe anymore. Uh, so we closed down the, we closed the office, and we closed it down properly. We, we locked it, we uh, pulled down the shutters, uh, and uh, we had to leave, um, uh, taking as much as, uh, of our things as we could, uh, but obviously, we could we we had to leave most of our uh, our work equipment and files and so on. Uh, by about seven uh, thirty, eight o'clock the evening, we uh, one of our members received a telephone call uh, from one of his friends, who then witnessed that our office had been breached, 
and was being looted. He went and saw that there was a very large group of 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 of, of people uh, looting the office, but and there was basically nothing that he could do. He could do. It was one of the few places that was being mm. looted. Mm. Uh, but then uh, it was the only one where the looters actually started a fire with the intention of burning down the office. Hmm. Uh, luckily for us, uh, there there are actually people living in the building, in other words, on top of the office, yes. and they managed to put out the fire. So uh, no one was hurt, uh, and we are very grateful for that. Mm. Uh, but Ayabonga, the, 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 the sum total of this is that uh, we lost almost everything. We mm, lost mm, uh, mm. Uh, quite a lot of our files, yeah. and the files that we do have sure. is in one big mess. Ronald, Ronald, uh, I'd like us to pause there. Yes, I'd like us to pause there for a second, and we'll continue on the other side. Uh, we outline what you lost in that fire. 14 minutes it is after 8 p.m. And Ronald, just before we went to the break, I guess you were outlining some of the things that you lost uh, in that fire. Please continue. Uh, yes, I can. Yes, 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 yes. So you were still saying, Ronald, uh, some of the things that you had lost in that fire. Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, there's our files, and our work is very document-heavy. Mm. Uh, the legal work that we do in support of workers' struggles, uh, a lot of the documents also uh, are certified uh, for uh, legal processes, so original copies is really important. So we, uh, we that's pretty disruptive, and we don't yet know exactly uh, what was lost and how disruptive it's going to be. Uh, we are busy with the process of uh, of getting to grips with what we have lost from uh, when it comes to files, and then there's all our uh, communications equipment, uh, our routers and computers and uh, copy machine and so on, and also furniture, basically everything, coffee cups. Um, so we uh, had to start rebuilding the office from scratch. Well, first. Our first priority after what had happened was, of course, to to recover as many of the documents as we could and, of course, to clean up the place. Um, and uh, that uh, we've done now. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big loss and a pretty mm. big uh, disruption. Just, uh, Ronald, in terms of your own suspicions here, because um, I guess, you know, one would one would argue that uh, in the work that you've done over the years, you've um, accumulated a lot of a lot of enemies. And on the one hand, the question I'm asking is, you know, is this part and parcel of what was uh, already happening in the inner city? And uh, I guess, you know, the uh, CWAO got uh, caught in the crossfire in the crosshairs uh, of that uh, particular expression of violence that we saw uh, in the inner city and that we've seen over the last few weeks or so. Or uh, is your suspicion that that, you know, made for a very convenient ruse here uh, to uh, maybe uh, other nefarious intentions and uh, objectives? Yeah, I, I, um, we don't have definite knowledge and we're on, on that one, but there were worrying signs. The first thing is that we're living in a time when worker organizations are under attack. More than half of the trade unions, for example, are in danger of being deregistered or in process of being deregistered. And this, after the union movement, has not really put, been putting up a big fight. They've done everything to accommodate to the demands of the government and the bosses. 
to the extent that we can say they sold out to workers, but still that didn't save them. So it would be very naive of us not to ask the question if our enemies didn't use this opportunity to actually get at us because uh, we are a small organization, but uh, we, we have a big voice precisely because uh, not much is happening when it comes to organizing labor broker workers. And often we are the only voice that speak on these issues. And we definitely made some pretty powerful and also pretty vicious enemies over the years. The office have been uh, targeted before. And then at the time of the attack in the build-up, uh, some of our staff members have noticed that there is a particular group in a particular vehicle that has kept the office under surveillance. Mm. And at the very moment of the fire, our coordinator's phone suddenly stopped working and there was no problem before. And then eventually after a few hours, of, uh, uh, there was also no problems after. So, yes, uh, there are definitely these signs uh, and we cannot say to any definite conclusion that this was a deliberate attack. But we certainly uh, want to to our comrades in other worker organizations and our worker comrades who are struggling to organize at workplaces to take the question of safety and security very seriously. Mm. And we, going forward, we will be doing that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, Ronald, in terms of the reconstruction efforts there, maybe just give us a sense of uh, where some of those efforts are and more importantly, how many of those in the public can contribute to those efforts. Well, Ayabunga, first I should start with a big thank you here. We've been overwhelmed with offers and actual efforts of support from all sorts of quarters. People have come forward, even people that we've had debates with over time. They've uh, reached out in solidarity, and we want to say thank you to all of them. It's not possible for me to mention them, but they know who they are, and thank you very much. You see, the, the Casual Workers Advice Office, we are not firstly uh, a, a service provider. We see ourselves as activists. We see ourselves as working to build a new workers' movement. So we responded to this like activists. We were very determined uh, to restart the office and reopen the office and defy this attack. So already on, 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 on Saturday, we had a mass meeting in our role in the office, while the office was still looking in uh, like it looked after the attack so that workers could see for themselves. But we're also integrating our work of rebuilding the office with general struggle against xenophobia. Mm. So we had this jointly with the coalition against uh, xenophobia. And uh, even the day before that, on Friday, we had uh, made a section of our office kind of uh, livable and functionable, and we set up there, sitting in a circle around a number of tables, uh, and workers came. And we are very determined uh, to, to so that no worker will suffer adverse consequences because of this attack. Uh, we're going to engage the CCMA. Uh, we're already engaging the CCMA, the bargaining councils, the labor court, to tell them what happened and to ask them to be lenient in certain respects mm. so that the workers are not uh, disadvantaged by what has happened. Um, so now we've, we've cleaned up uh, two sections of our office, 
and we're working from those two sections. So workers can come and should come. And, uh, well, in a week or two, we should be fully functional again. Mm. Uh, there's, there's been very generous support from, uh, from partners. Um, uh, you've asked how people can support our good friends at a group called amandla.mobi. And that's also where people can find this. Uh, on the internet, amandla.mobi, they've uh, opened a given gain uh, account for us where they are raising a solidarity fund. And in terms of the furniture and uh, the equipment that we lost, we the way things are looking now, we should be able to replace all of that mm. uh, with the funds that has been forthcoming. And we've also taken a decision that uh, we will not try and, and, and raise more than that. If more than what we need to replace our things come in, then the, that will be used specifically to put the struggle against xenophobia on a proper footing. Because this thing is also holding the workers' movement back in a big way. Mm. There's a huge division between immigrant uh, workers and uh, South African-born workers that is uh, really uh, one of the factors that's weakened the union movement and yes. keeping the struggle of workers back. Ronald, I want us maybe just to unpack that a bit further because in many instances here on this platform, we've had conversations, uh, I guess, whose starting premise is to uh, sort of place on one side immigrant workers and this uh, perception that all of them are so desperate and very willing to bend over back backwards to work uh, for slave wages and wages much lower than, I guess, the reservation wages of South African workers. Um, and yet, you know, uh, a lot of people might not be familiar with the law, which indicates that uh, all labor laws apply to everybody who is working in South Africa, irrespective of uh, where they were born. And uh, and I think, you know, uh, that does, uh, um, I guess, require some uh, re-mentioning on your part. And uh, maybe also if you could make some reference to the work that you guys are doing uh, with the migrant workers as well. Yeah, to be honest, Ayabonga, we uh, we can't claim that we've really been able to work in any significant way mm. with migrant workers. There are other groups like the African Migrant Workers Union, uh, and there's like Zimbabwean uh, groups where people organize. And I I think uh, our job is actually to reach out. We we tried, but we can't claim any big success in working. Uh, across that divide. Mm. It's a very real divide. And it's quite uh, uh, significant that the things people are saying about migrant workers are often the same things that are said about labor broker workers, that Mm. they are just quiet and they not really can't be organized and they just go along with what the bosses says. And we know from experience that it's simply not true. Uh, The fact that uh, workers... Uh, don't are not visible and their struggles are not visible is often an indication of the more hostile uh, conditions they face and the more intense repression by the bosses and exploitation by the bosses that they put up with rather than uh, their own willingness to struggle. Mm. So this is also a learning for us and hopefully it's a turning point for us that we will make it much more uh, uh, an integral part of our work to break that division 
between uh, migrant uh, workers and uh, South African-born mm. workers. And what does that involve, Ronald? Does it involve, I guess, taking aim at many of the employers who uh, repressively enforce this kind of environment where uh, you know, many uh, workers find themselves desperate and unable, I guess, to push back uh, because of how, uh, I guess, uh, precarious uh, the existence is in this particular country. I mean, we do know that you know the likes of uh, uh, the Home Affairs and uh, many other law enforcement officials are seldom, if I can put it this way, seldom, I guess, uh, 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 treat many foreign immigrants with kid gloves. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. that yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Um, look, there's the employers themselves. They definitely have to be shaken up, mm. targeted. Yes, yes, yes. I'm still here, Ronald. Ronald? Ronald? Ah, we seem to have lost Ronald there, but um, I'd love to hear your perspectives on that one and uh, uh, certainly, I guess, I'd reach the tail end of our conversation there.